1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 27. Would you hear now the reading of the word of the Lord? For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit, we, which is emphasized in the text, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand... I'm not a part of the body. It is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. Verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. And those members of the body, which we deem less honorable, on those we bestow the more abundant honor, And our less presentable members become much more presentable. Whereas our need, excuse me, our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked. Why? Verse 25. So that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Would you pray with me? God, help us. We pray by the Spirit's enabling power to comprehend this text and then to live in light of this text. For the glory of Christ, we ask it. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was a boy, uh, my parents sometimes would frequent yard sales and pick up random things. And one time, they brought home a Guinness Book of World Records. If any of you seen a Guinness Book of World Records, I think they paid 15 cents, maybe 25 cents for it. And what I soon discovered as a boy of six, seven, eight years of age, flipping through the Guinness Book of World Records, there are some really weird records out there. Did you know that? Uh, For example, in 1988, Blackie became the wealthiest cat when her owner died and left her $12.5 million. Really? In 1999, Gary Bashaw Jr. set the record for the most milkshake dispensed through the nose when 1.82 ounces of milkshake came out of his nose on the set, no less, of the Guinness World Records TV program. And finally, in 2009, Melvin Booth had the longest fingernails on a pair of male hands ever at 32 feet, 3.8 inches, when they were measured in Troy, Michigan. Now, Daniel, what does that have to do with being the body? Well, Paul, later in the text, gets on to talking about The body is more than just one member, 
and he admonishes members not to focus on themselves, but rather to focus on the body. And I, I submit to you, the idea of someone having nails that are 32 feet long is a bit frightening or freakish. Like, how does one eat? How does one shave? How does one use the restroom? I, I, I don't know. But, but the picture of 32 feet long nails is dysfunctional. Just the mental picture. I thought about putting it on the screen and I, I just couldn't bear to make you look at it. But it's really disgusting. <laughs> and this is what Paul is telling us in the text, at least in part, that when members focus on themselves rather than the body into which they've been called, it's dysfunctionality. It is freakish. It's garish. It doesn't make sense. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing to a church that's dysfunctional. They're splitting into factions over who followed the most eloquent teacher, whether Paul or Cephas or Apollos. And Paul says it's about Jesus, not about the guy. And they have been refusing to prize holiness in the church by ignoring sexual sin. Rather than deal with it, they just ignore it and say, come on in and be a part of us. Don't, it doesn't matter what you're doing. They are taking one another to court in Corinth. They're getting drunk at the Lord's Supper, and the wealthy are at odds with the poor, and the church has fundamentally lost God's vision for his church. And it's into this context that Paul writes the local church at Corinth. And he shows us two things. To be a healthy local church, first, we must see ourselves as Christ's one body comprised of many different members. We must see ourselves as Christ's one body comprised of many different members. This is a fascinating theological truth. That, that the local churches don't add up to make Christ's body. Paul is writing only to the local church at Corinth in the context. He starts out to the church at Corinth. And he says to the church at Corinth, where you are locally, you are a local expression of the fullness of Christ's body. Now that's amazing. That we, North Roanoke Baptist Church, are called to be the body of Christ. Let, let that sink into your mind and heart for a moment. But secondly, if we're going to be a healthy local church, we must exist for the good of the body of Christ. Not for the good of our fingernails. Right? Because then it's distorted and dysfunction enters in. Paul tells us, that we are to see ourselves as the body of Christ. And he, he does that through a metaphor in verse 12. Even as. You see that? For even as the body is one. The body of Christ serves as a metaphor for the relationship between the individual members of the church, the individual Christians, and their relationship to Christian community. There's a whole lot of talk in our world today about the need for community, finding identity in community. I need to find a family to be a part of. The mission and the community that you were designed for in Christ is the local church. It's no other community. A member, uh, verse 13, we are members of this one body. The word member there means part or organ. Just as the body has many limbs and organs and despite their number and differences make up one body, so also Christ's body has many limbs and organs and despite their number and differences, make up one body. That's by a commentator named Garland. He's completing the metaphor for us that Paul doesn't really fully spell out until we get to verse 27, when he says, you are Christ's body. 
How is it that we are Christ's body? It's true because of what we find in verse 13. It's because the one Spirit in whom we are all baptized. There's only one Holy Spirit who makes us from death unto life. There's only one Holy Spirit who moves us from lost to saved. That same Holy Spirit baptized us, drenched us, flooded us with His presence and placed us into the body of Christ. In a supernatural work of God, we are made and placed into the body of Christ. So it is through the common work of the Holy Spirit... The same work that, that happened when I was a seven-year-old boy and trusted Christ as, as the same work that when Brother Rick came to know the Lord is the same work when any of you placed your faith in Christ. We share that in common. The Holy Spirit comes and makes us new in Christ and places within us a spiritual DNA, if you will, that is all of one body, the body of Christ. And look what happens because of this common bond that we have in the one spirit. We're very different here. Some of you like UVA. Some of you like Virginia Tech. I, I met a University of Georgia Bulldogs alum just a few moments ago. We, we have a lot of different interests, a lot of different backgrounds. But look what the spirit does. The same spirit who rescues us. Look at verse 13. Whether Jew or Greek, whether slaves or free... We were made to drink of one spirit. As Kiampa and Rosner say, there's a spiritual solidarity that exists between believers because they have experienced the same one spirit and they have entered the same one body. Garland adds this, what may polarize the world does not or should not divide the church. Because the same Spirit rescued us and placed us in the same body, we should exhibit a unity that is supernatural and which confounds the categories that the world insists much must divide us. Red, yellow, black, white, blue collar, white collar, poor, middle, wealthy. God has put us all into the body of Christ for the common purpose of the praise of His great name among a people who do not yet know Him. In Psalm 133 verse 1, David writes these words, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. The picture of the church is a unity in plurality. Look at verse 13. The word one occurs three times. One spirit, one body, one spirit. In plurality, many members, many members. Worldly wisdom says it's impossible for many different people to get together on the same page in one body for one mission. But in Christ's body, in the church, Paul tells us it is possible and it happens when we understand that the disparate members, the many different members, have been brought by the Spirit into an integrated whole. Do you remember the saying, the sum of the parts, or the whole is greater than the sum of the parts? That's what Paul is showing us here. That the whole body of Christ is even greater than if you took all the parts and laid them on the table. Because the Spirit of God has done something supernatural and built us together into a single body, marching in the same direction with the vision of God and the purposes of Christ as our marching orders. This is possible because of the work of the Spirit, who not only submerged us in His presence and placed us in the body, but then look what God did, made us to drink of the one Spirit. So it's not that he just placed us and let us go. 
But rather, the Holy Spirit of God keeps on nurturing and filling and overflowing our minds and our hearts and our attitudes and our directions and the way in which we relate to one another because the Holy Spirit has bound us up in this one body of Christ, not just momentarily, but continuously until Christ comes. In Proverbs 18, verse 1, we read these words. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Do you want to know at North Roanoke why we practice church membership? We practice church membership because of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Because when God rescues someone, he saves them to be a member of something bigger than themselves. He saves them to be a member of the body of Christ. God doesn't save solo Christians To be islands who drift into a worship service for a while and then drift out of a worship service and then drift into another church and then drift out. He saves you to be a part of something bigger than yourself. This is why in Acts, we see the church keeping a record of the number of people who've joined the church. Why? Is it because they were focused on numbers? No. We count people not so we know what our numbers are, but because people count. Did Did you get that? We count people because people count. We keep track of who's in the body of Christ and and who is covenanted with North Roanoke Baptist Church. So when they fail or they falter or the limb begins to wither and to die or show signs of withering and dying, that the body is there to rescue what's going on with that individual member. So that's why at North Roanoke Baptist Church, it's not because North Roanoke's that great. It's because God is that great. That's why we urge people to enter into church membership either at North Roanoke or some other local church that he's calling you to. Because God has called you not to just be saved individually, but to be saved to be a part of the body of Christ. So first, to be a healthy church, we must see ourselves as Christ's one body comprised of many different members. But secondly, to be a healthy local church, we must exist for the good of Christ's body. This, this is radical. In a me-first culture, in a culture where it's all about me and my desires and my prerogatives, Paul shows us that to be a healthy church, we've got to see ourselves as existing not for our own good, but for the good of the body. And when the body's healthy, the individual members likewise can be healthy. Paul summarizes this in verse 14 in one sentence. He writes this, For the body is not one member, but many. The body is more than any one part. It takes many parts working together to make a fully functioning body. A liver, a pancreas, a leg, a heart. They don't exist for themselves, but for the good of the body. The body is more than any individual one member. And when we understand that the body consists of many members we will see the beauty of the interdependence of the members in the pursuit of the glory of Christ together. Let me say that again. My body to get up this morning took more than my mind's desire to get out of bed. It, It required summoning my feet and my legs and my knees and even some abdominal muscles to get twisted over and out of bed. And when there's a member down, when, when I had low back issues, even getting out of bed was a big deal because just one member was ailing. 
And what God is looking for out of North Roanoke Baptist Church, what He can do, is, which is promised in His Word by His Spirit, is He can bring us together in a miraculous, coordinated harmony for the glory of Christ as His body, marching until Christ comes again. And that is the ideal that Paul is calling us to. But what happens when members start to focus on themselves rather than on their contribution to the body. Like my old disc down here. He just wanted some more attention, didn't he? And he got it from the chiropractor and the guy putting the needle in my back and all that stuff. But the one member focusing on himself rather than on the contribution to the body made the whole body not work the way it was supposed to do. Isn't it amazing one little member can do that? When we fall short of the ideal of our contribution to the body and instead focus on ourselves, we fall into one of two traps. We either think we are inferior to other members because the part we've been given by God we don't think is very important. Well, God, I, I don't like my part. It's not big enough. Or we think we're superior to other members because of the part God has given us to play. Well, I'm the pastor, so I'm a big deal. Both errors come from a focus on ourselves. In verses 15 to 20, Paul addresses the first error. And in verse 15 and 16, he does it by showing us the unhappy foot and the unhappy ear. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, that doesn't mean it's not a part of the body. It's still a foot right there and it's still got to walk. If the ear says, I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, it's still a part of the body. And aren't you glad even when you get a little pity party going on and you feel inferior to everybody else, that God doesn't just take you out of the body? Aren't you glad that he still has a role for you? He still has a place for you? He has a plan for you? He knew exactly what he was doing when he placed you. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read this text and I see talking parts of the body, it seems absurd to me. And that's partly Paul's point. It should seem a bit absurd. And the absurdity of talking body parts is to communicate to us the absurdity of us being dissatisfied with the part God's given us. Don't be like a talking part of the body, complaining about where it is. Take delight in the fact that you are a part of the body. And furthermore, look at verse 17. What if you got to pick what you wanted to be? What if everybody got to pick the most desirable or at least seemingly most desirable parts? If everyone decided what they could be, then where would the body be? Did you follow that? If everybody came in and said, I want to be this, I want to be that, because it's most desirable, then where does the body go? There's no body left. And what happens to a body that doesn't have all the members that God needs? It dies. God is telling us not to focus on ourselves, but rather to focus on His good desire for us. Look at verse 18. Amazing truth in verse 18. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He desires. Now let me tell you something. There's been some writing about being the body of Christ out there that talks about all your background and all your past and all your skills and everything that you're good at. And it says God's going to take all that and that's going to dictate your part in the body. Did you know that's wrong? Did you know God will take people who can't stand public speaking and He'll make them preachers? He will. Did you know God will take the very places of your greatest vulnerability before you trusted Christ and He will put them on display to show His power and His greatness through weakness? 
So just because you are an expert at X, Y, and Z in the working world doesn't necessarily mean that that's the part God has given you to play in his body. God places you according to his desire, and guess what God desires to do? He desires to make his strength made known in weakness. So sometimes God gives us a part that we don't expect. Our placement in Christ's body is about God's pleasure. The word there means His delight, His will, His joy. Did you know God takes delight in placing you in His body? John Piper has said this, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. God doesn't think your part in His body is insignificant. You've been made a part of the body of His Son. And if God doesn't think your part is insignificant, then neither should you. Our significance does not come from our part in the body, but from the God who assigned us the part. Let me say that again. Is this on? Your significance, your significance in the body of Christ doesn't come from which part you've been given. It comes from the God who endeavored to even give you a part in his body in the first place. To be a toenail on a pinky toe in the body of Christ is more glorious to be than the captain of my own body of sin. I've been redeemed and rescued and ransomed from what I was, and I've been given a tiny little part in the body of Christ. Show me something more significant than that. There's nothing more significant than that. Those who are disappointed with their part in the body because they think it's insignificant usually do one of two things in verse 19 we see that they often just want to refuse their role say if I I can't be what I want to be then I'll just shut down in verse 20 we see the second error they say well if I can't be what I want to be then I'll just focus on doing my own thing regardless of what the body's doing now I don't know about you but I love the Olympics I in particular like track and field, and the key to a good track and field time, whether you're in the 100-meter sprint or the 5,000-meter race around that track, lap after lap after lap. One of the fundamental keys to getting a good time in the Olympics is getting the body going in the same direction. Now, I don't know if you've watched runners, but when they get really tired down the stretch, the parts start to go everywhere. Right? They're losing the efficiency of going in the same direction. A good runner, the arms, the hands, the fingers, everything is in a straight line headed towards the same goal. And what happens to some of us when we get dissatisfied with our part in the body, we start becoming those flailing hands and arms. And we're just sapping the energy away from the body of Christ. Paul is urging us to see ourselves as coordinated parts of Christ's one body acting together to advance our King's kingdom. The church is not the backdrop to our individual lives. Let me say that again. The church is not the backdrop to our individual lives. Rather, our lives, like every good organ in a body, are lived and given for the sake of the body. In verses 21 through 26, Paul addresses the other side of the coin. You thought you were insignificant, But there might be some members who think that they're really, really special. Like the hand, excuse me, like the head or the eye. For the sake of time, I'll just talk about the eye for a moment in verse 21. Paul uses the eye because the eye is indeed a very important part of the body. And it's an especially important part of Christ's body. 
Similar terminology is used of the overseers or the leaders of the church because they are the ones who are supposed to scope out the situation and look way down the road, helping the entire body to prepare for whatever response is necessary. Think about driving down the road. Take your eyes away. And how do the rest of the members know what to do in order to respond? And so the eye, if he's not careful, can get the big head. This is what Jesus says about the eye in Matthew chapter 6. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then, the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And how does darkness creep into the body of Christ? It creeps in when the eye takes the eye off the ball of treasuring Christ and His kingdom, and He wants to just treasure Himself and His own kingdom. The eye still needs the hand and the foot and the ankle to get the job done. Let me tell you a quick story. Burlington Elementary School. I've been praying that God would give us some lanes of service together. That we could be the body of Christ on mission together, not just in this building, but in our community. God allowed me to have a meeting with the principal over at Burlington Elementary School back on Wednesday, August the 10th. The next week, by Tuesday, we were serving lunch to their teachers. Now, how did that happen in six days? Because let me tell you, I don't know how to serve 60 teachers lunch. I don't even know how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich some days. But, but here's how it happened. On Wednesday night, I shared the opportunity with a class. Carol Rivera comes up to me and says, we can make it happen. Long story short, because of Carol Rivera and a team that she built, we were able to serve 60 teachers lunch in six days with very little planning. God is developing and opening a door of relationship to Burlington that's, that's going to be awesome. Here's what Carol says to me. The day we served the lunch, we've come back and we're just relishing all the doors that God has opened. I mean, it was an amazing time of blessing teachers in Jesus' name. And Carol comes back and she shares, I'm going to summarize her story. It took me a really long time to find my part in the body of Christ. But I love doing this. And if we can continue to do this, would you let me do what I've just done in serving in Jesus' name? I don't mean to embarrass you, Carol, but she begins to cry a little bit. There's no greater joy than finding your part in the body. And look what Paul says about the seemingly weaker parts, right? This would have never happened if the pastor hadn't gone over and talked to the principal. And you could say, look at the pastor, isn't he great? No, because I didn't do anything after that. I turned it over to the body and look what Carol made happen and the team made happen. And the weaker parts, the parts that don't get the accolades and the celebration are indeed, look at verse 22, more necessary. They're indispensable, the word means. Absolutely a must have. You gotta have it. We should not be surprised that the God who became poor so that we through his poverty might be rich, has so composed the body, verse 24, that the parts that we, that we think are less honorable are actually the parts that he calls us to give a super abundance of honor. So I want to honor you this morning, Carol. You did an awesome job, and I can't wait to see what God's going to do through you. And people like Jake, who step up when things happen, and he gets the job done. That is where we give honor to those who seem indispensable, those who seem to us. The word there is not that they're weaker, but they seem to us to be weaker. That, that's, that's important. God is saying they're all necessary. Now, there's some that seem weaker and some that seem more important, but God has put us together so that we would give honor to those who seem to be less honorable. Whether we 
tend to think of ourselves as inferior or superior, the problem fundamentally is our focus upon ourselves. Let me say that again. Whether we think we are inferior or superior, the problem is a focus on ourselves and not on the body. To paraphrase John F. Kennedy through the Apostle Paul, he's asking this, Members, ask not what the body can do for you. Ask what you can do for the body. And God has so composed the body in this way so that the members must live out the gospel to one another. Each member giving its best to the body and to others so that the body can move forward, that it can progress. And why has God put us together in this interdependent way in which every part has to give their best to the other members for the sake of the body? Why has he done it? Verse 25, so that there may be no division in the body. Isn't that a beautiful thing? As soon as the member starts dividing off, the body's got a problem. But when the members work together, there is no division in the body. When I was called to ministry 13 years ago, I was getting ready to go to Raleigh. I was getting ready to go down to seminary, and I was playing golf with my father one last time before I moved away. My father is a pastor. I had been called to ministry, and I'm standing on the tee box of the 10th hole, because it was just my dad and I, but we got paired up with a third. Don't you love it when you get paired up at the golf course with the other guy? Anyway, it was a great conversation. We had a great time. We're standing on the tee box, and I'm getting ready to hit. And the guy has been thinking for five holes about the fact that I told him that I was going to go to seminary. And What are you thinking going to seminary? Excuse me? You know what he proceeded to tell me? He said... The local church is the most divided place I've ever been. What are you getting yourself into? And all I can say to you, North Roanoke Baptist Church, is that I believe in a Holy Spirit who made us His own, who put us together, red and yellow, black and white, very different interests, and He put us together so that there may be no division in the body and that we could display the overriding power of the gospel in all things. This deep unity that God says is possible comes as we care for one another. The word is actually the word for anxiety. We're not supposed to be anxious for anything for ourselves, but Paul is telling us here, it's okay to be anxious for one another, to have a deep, visceral regard for the other members of the body. Why? Because we are members of Christ himself. Isn't that amazing? It's counterintuitive. When we abandon ourselves and our own interests to Christ's body, that is when Christ's body can finally care for us, us the members. The spiritual health of every individual and the ch- spiritual health of the corporate body are inseparable. A healthy body requires members focused on serving the body. And the health of individual members requires a healthy body to respond when a member is ailing. Let let me, that was kind of complicated. When your body overall seems healthy and then something goes wrong, what do you do? You go to the doctor and you say, "I I got a part that's not working very well. You don't just ignore it. And by God's grace, if overall your body's pretty healthy, then guess what happens? Give a little medicine, a little TLC, and suddenly the member is restored. So when we as members come into the body, 
with the focus on our contribution to the health of the body, when something happens in our lives, in our marriages, in our workplaces that threatens to trip us up, if we've been contributing to a healthy body, then there's a healthy body there to support us as members who are ailing. Do you follow that? When that's our perspective, our solidarity and our unity is expressed in our suffering and our rejoicing. Verse 26. When anyone suffers, we all suffer. When anyone rejoices, we all rejoice. And notice the opposite is not true. We don't rejoice when one suffers. And we don't suffer when one rejoices. If one gets honor and that frustrates you, that's a warning sign. If one is suffering and you're like, wow, that's great. I'm so glad that Job, Jobob is suffering. That's a warning sign that you've missed the gospel and the glory of giving yourself to the body. North Roanoke Baptist Church, we are in this together for the glory of Christ. And as we give ourselves to one another, it isn't just North Roanoke that's on the march. It is King Jesus who is on the march. Because look at verse 27. You are Christ's body. The word you there is implied in the verb. He didn't have to say you, but he said you are Christ's body. On the march and individually parts of it, the translation there is a little unfortunate because the focus is again not so much on the individuals as it is the body. Each one of you is a part of this body. North Roanoke Baptist Church, God has united us through his spirit into the body of Christ, and he's placed us each where we belong. And God is calling each of us to play our part in his body. How can we do that? Four things. Some of you need to find your place. You know how you find your place in the body? You start serving. You don't don't need to wait for a lightning bolt to come down from heaven, you just get plugged in. You do what Carol did. You say, you know what? I I know how to make a meal. I know how to get on the ground and do organize. I I just want to serve. Say, well, I don't know how to start serving. Find a Sunday school class. And and over time, in the next months to come, we're going to be rolling out some ways that you can find your place and get plugged in here at North Roanoke. Secondly, evaluate your perspective. If the whole body thought like you about your part, would we still have a body? Thirdly, ask the Spirit to take away any feelings of inferiority or superiority about your role. When you walk into a room, do you think you're the most important person in the room? Then ask the Spirit to take that away. When you walk into a room and do you feel like that you're not qualified to be there? Everybody else is so much better than me. I'm not qualified to be in this place. Ask the Spirit to take that away from you. If God has qualified you, who can speak against you? And finally... Commit to joyfully play your part in the body of Christ for the sake of Christ and the advance of his gospel. Would you pray with me? Our Father and our God, we thank you for the deep truths of the gospel. Not only a gospel that saved us once and for all, but a gospel that keeps on saving us as it puts us together in relationships that are worked out as a part of your body. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for Paul. We thank you for the church at Corinth. We thank you for the privilege of being edified by your word this morning and being challenged not to look out for our own selves only, but to look out for those who are brothers and sisters in Christ, members of your one body, marching in victory to the ends of the earth. 
We pray, Lord God, that people would respond as you would have them respond. In Jesus' name, amen.